1: This episode of Art Curious is brought to you by Anchorlight, home to a 1,500-square-foot zero-commission gallery providing exhibition opportunities to emerging artists. Please visit anchorlightraleigh.com. March 29, 1974 started out as a typically dry day in Xi'an, China. Dry, it's important to note, because some of the area was farmland, and farmland that sorely needed irrigation. So a group of seven farmers who communally worked the land began a mundane sort of project. They began to dig a well. But what they ended up digging up instead turned out to be the absolute opposite of mundane. As the band of workers burrowed into the ground, they found their shovels and pickaxes hitting something hard about 15 meters below the surface. This wasn't the fresh water they had expected, but instead, a stone face grinned up at them. There had long been myths and legends swirling around the Xi'an region about hidden secrets and buried treasure. But did any of the local farmers believe them to be anything other than storytelling through the long, cold nights? Did these tales spring to mind when the seven literal groundbreakers unexpectedly came across what has become known as one of the greatest archaeological discoveries of our modern times? And after the enormity of their discovery washed over them, did they expect fame and fortune? Surely none of them could have foreseen the immense hardship and heartache that would befall them. But should they have, given that some have claimed that their own discovery cursed them for life? Some people think visual art is dry, boring, lifeless. But the stories behind those paintings, sculptures, drawings, and photographs are weirder, more outrageous, or more fun than you can imagine. This season, season nine, is all about curses in art and archeology, span a topic that was suggested by you, our listeners. And today we're beginning with one of the biggest archeological finds of the late 20th century, the Terracotta Army in Xi'an, China. This is the Art Curious Podcast. Exploring the unexpected, the slightly odd, and the strangely wonderful in art history, I'm Jennifer Dassel. Not terribly long after the 1974 discovery of what we now call, loosely, the Terracotta Army or the Terracotta Warriors, The archaeological site began receiving praise as the so-called eighth wonder of the world and would eventually skyrocket to receiving over a million tourist visits each year because the remnants of that soldier figure that was first unearthed that March was merely the tip of a vast trove of funeral statuary that is still being excavated today and one that consists of thousands of individual terracotta figures and artifacts, all adding up to one of the most extravagant tombs ever constructed. So envision this, and I'll be posting pictures to our website and to our social media in case you want to see rather than envision the scene. Three huge archaeological pits, full of over 8,000 terracotta sculptures, many of them representing a vast army, and each one with distinct and unique human features. Let's drive that one home, because for me, this is one of the most fascinating elements. Every single figure is unique, with a different expression or hairstyle or facial feature. That's even more impressive when you consider the sheer number of sculptures here. And all of these objects have been frozen, standing guard for more than 2,200 years over their master, the first emperor of China, Qin Shi Huangdi. Now is as good a time as ever to remind you that I do not speak any Chinese dialect and I am very aware of my lack of good pronunciation, especially given the many unique intonations that make Mandarin, for example, so complicated to many of us English speakers. Suffice to say, I'm trying my best here. Qin Shi Huangdi's vast terracotta army is also further accompanied by bronze chariots drawn by terracotta horses and a troop of acrobats and entertainers. And of course, that's not all. Like many great kings, emperors, and pharaohs, and hint hint, we'll be returning to Egypt later this season, of course. Emperor Qin had long been joined in death by his most prized possessions, which includes treasures like piles of gemstones meant to represent the galaxy as well as the unfinished remains of his expensive and expansive palace. All of this combines to showcase one of the most stunning and vast archaeological finds of the 20th century, and one that offers insights into the beliefs and customs of a time and place from long, long ago, but one that established many of the foundations of contemporary-day China and the man credited with making it all happen. Indeed, one of the coolest things about the Terracotta Warriors' tomb complex is the amount of information that archaeologists have been able to glean about the Emperor Qin Shi Huangdi himself. This sole individual has been claimed as the unifier for all of China, for creating a civil administration system, for constructing a road network that would eventually become the Great Wall of China, and for standardizing Chinese script. He is even credited for housing the leaders of his newly conquered lands in replica palaces from their respective regions, which were all built in and around his own capital city, which seems rather magnanimous to me. These are quite significant feats considering he ascended the throne when he was only 13 years old and died at just 49 years old, leaving a relatively short reign of 36 years during part of which he was still literally a child. Still, it's obvious that this man, China's first true emperor, was worthy of a vast legacy. And like other powerful leaders long before and long after, Qin wanted to ensure the longevity of that legacy and influence. And legend has it that he even attempted to achieve immortality first, before planning his incredible funerary complex, which makes some good, if slightly misguided, sense, I suppose. You know, check to see that you can live forever first before preparing for your own death. Legend has it that Qin had heard stories of magical herbs that were found in the islands of the East China Sea that granted eternal life. So he sent several lackeys to go find these potentially magical herbs, but they came back empty-handed. Qin decided, ultimately, that if you want to do something right, then you've got to do it yourself which ended up being a fateful mistake for the emperor and one wrapped up in a nice bow of irony because on that voyage over to these islands in the East China Sea, he caught sick and died. Immortal he was not, at least not in the way he had hoped or anticipated. But he has achieved a kind of immortality through his incredible funerary complex and one that rose in fervor, let alone importance, after its uncovering began in the 1970s. As mentioned previously, one of the coolest and most unusual aspects of the Terracotta Warriors Complex is that it contains more than 8,000 life-size, or some even larger than life-size, sculptures, each weighing in at over 600 pounds and over 6 feet tall. And every single one of these figures is unique, varied in expression, facial details, clothing, hairstyles, and more. From archaeological dating of the site, we now know that Emperor Qin's craftspeople were able to complete the entire tomb in all of its sculptural glory in just 11 years following the emperor's death. But remember, this was over 2,000 years ago, without automation or machinery. Nothing like the modern technology that could assist artisans today. Thus, trying to find out how the heck this was all done, just like how the pyramids in Egypt were actually put together, has long been a fascinating topic for both historians and lay people alike. One of the most widely accepted theories is that workers fabricated fairly standardized torsos in an assembly line fashion, and then workers who focused on unique features, like one sculptor whose specialty was hands, or another who focused on heads only, would then add on to the more personalized detailing. Historians have also suggested that the large height and durability of the sculptures is due to a method known as clay coiling, where long strips of clay are literally coiled atop each other, one after another, to form the basis of each figure. There are lots of other theories about the construction of the complex that I am not going to go into today. Suffice to say that there's one detail that all experts agree upon. And that is that it required a vast amount of manpower to achieve this complex. It has been estimated that over 700,000 workers contributed to the construction of the final resting place of their emperor. That is incredible. Imagine the number of people who are out there painstakingly uncovering and assessing the thousands of objects buried here by these approximately 700,000 workers, and you'll understand immediately why, almost 50 years later, Emperor Qin's complex is still being very diligently excavated. There's just so much of it to uncover, and it is slow work done by a select team of archaeologists and assistants. Here's another thing to consider. The actual tomb of the emperor himself has yet to be uncovered. Everything out there, everything uncovered thus far and that is able to be visited by tourists to Xi'an today, that's just the side dishes. The main course, so to speak, hasn't even been excavated yet. Coming up next, the ongoing uncovering of the tomb of Emperor Qin and his terracotta army and the curse that fell upon the families of the tomb's discoverers. Stay with us. Did you know that when seasoning food, it's better to add pepper first than salt? Or that the maximum cooking time for chlorophyll vegetables like asparagus is seven minutes? There is a difference, and trust me, it matters. These are just a few of the fascinating tips I've picked up since watching Cooking Basics, What Everyone Should Know from The Great Courses Plus. It's pretty cool to be able to know how to whip up a fancy looking dinner for my family without a struggle in the kitchen. And now I can make risotto like a champ and throw together some gnocchi on a Saturday afternoon, all with the help from my professor, Chef Sean Collenberg, who has worked for world-famous restaurants like the Café des Artistes in New York, the Commander's Palace in Las Vegas, and so forth. He really knows what he's doing, and he makes it all so easy. With The Great Courses Plus, there are so many opportunities to learn, to feed your curiosity, and learn about virtually everything, speaking a new language, how to play chess, or exploring the universe. You get unlimited streaming access to hundreds of videos and audio lectures from some of the best professors and top experts in their fields. And with The Great Courses Plus app, you can watch or listen from any device, learn what you want, when you want, from wherever you are in the world. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for The Great Courses Plus today to start your 14-day free trial. And for a limited time, my listeners can save 20% off the annual membership. But this is only available through my special URL, thegreatcoursesplus.com art. Don't forget, thegreatcoursesplus.com art. Lots of things can make your workouts hard. Extra resistance, double speed, one more mile. Your socks shouldn't, though. That's why Bombas Performance Socks are built to be nothing but comfortable and supportive. Bombas Performance Socks have taken all the amazing innovations that make Bombas the most comfortable socks you've ever worn and added their special Hextech performance technology. Bombas Performance Socks are stitched with special moisture-wicking yarn and temperature-regulating vents that allow cool airflow in and prevent overheating. They come with a pillow-like tab to save you from blisters, stay-up technology, a special arch-hugging system, and an extra layer of cushiony comfort on the bottom for the perfect amount of support. They come in different styles for every sport with specific design features to help you optimize performance and keep you comfortable no matter what you're doing. And like all their socks, for every pair of Bombas performance socks you buy, they donate a pair to someone in need. They've donated over 45 million pairs so far. I'm telling you for sure that all the hype you've heard about Bombas is real. That little extra bit of padding has made a huge difference for my sore heels, and I am more blister-free than I have ever been, and that is huge. And when my support of Bombas can also help others through their donation plan, I am even more on board because everybody basically wins. And I want you to win too. Go to bombas.com artcurious today and get 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot artcurious for 20% off. Bombas.com artcurious. Welcome back to Art Curious. Even though the terracotta army and Emperor Qin's funeral complex was discovered back in the 1970s, the vast majority, including the main tomb of the emperor himself, has yet to be uncovered. Obviously, much of this delay is due to a lack of manpower, of funding, and of the fact that archaeology is slow, methodical work, made even slower by the fact that everything already excavated needs then to be further preserved in order to prevent further damage. But others have noted several other reasons for the painful delays afflicting the terracotta warrior site. The first is that, according to both ancient texts describing the tomb complex and via modern advancements in ground soil testing, there is the possibility that there are two streams of quicksilver mercury in the tomb, meant to represent the flow of the Yangtze and Yellow Rivers, the two longest rivers in China. Uncovering it could expose archaeologists to a high amount of this extremely toxic substance. If true, then it makes good sense that they are going to be uncovering this very, very diligently. But there's another explanation rumored to have hindered excavation here, and it is related to the protection and desecration of sacred burial sites. Although a large chunk of the population of China considers themselves atheistic or agnostic today, there is nevertheless a cultural belief of ancestral worship, a tradition that has deep roots within Chinese society and cultural history. The belief holds that a dead ancestor can affect a living relative's life in any number of ways, passing on protection or a kind of power from beyond the grave. For example, if one was to properly respect and commemorate one's ancestors, then chances are better that a person's life would be prosperous, blessed, and lucky. Conversely, though, failing to pay respect to the deceased could result in a cursed life where the dead will seek vengeance on your wrongdoings. Going a bit deeper, it's important to know that the actual burial location of an ancestor is also crucial because they can be viewed as portals or gateways to another realm. One that is parallel and similar to our own, and is in balance with our own realm of the living. So, to keep things in check, cemeteries are traditionally located far away from residential areas to keep the opposing energies from becoming unbalanced. It's all very complex, but it can be boiled down to a key maxim. Keep your dead close in spirit, but not too close in physical proximity. Knowing these traditional beliefs helps to shed some light on the entirety of the tomb complex. It firstly lets us understand why China's first emperor insisted on a huge complex that mirrored his earthly life, requiring the same amount of pomp, luxury, and devotion that he had experienced while alive. And he was certainly not alone in this idea. Historians have discovered other tombs in China that predate Qin Huangdi's by approximately 300 years in which there's evidence that leaders would order the killing of their entire court upon their deaths. I mean, that is bleak, to be sure. But given the belief system, it would guarantee eternal devotion and servitude. What's most interesting, though, is that these tombs don't convey any evidence of violence or murder. It was simply accepted, perhaps, that a leader's court would voluntarily follow him to death. Still, that is a big ask, even if all of your courtiers are willing to toe every line. So this is where it gets really exciting, and where the tomb of Emperor Qin really shines. In the period before Qin's imperial rule, the elite began including small figurines, usually made of pottery of some kind, in their tombs as burial objects, essentially requesting that stand-in sculptures be made to represent their loved ones or followers. What a novel concept! Have some kind of depiction of your right-hand man included as a symbol of his eternal obeisance rather than requesting that he be killed or that he kill himself. It's a small thing that was actually a pretty big deal in Chinese burial practices. And one that Emperor Qin Shi Huangdi really took to the next level. Because he didn't want measly little figurines of his favorite courtiers. Oh, no, no, no. He wanted big things. Life-sized things. Larger than life-sized things. An army of soldiers, horses, those acrobats. Everything. But this time with less actual death to accompany it. That being said, there may be some evidence of actual human remains in the funeral complex, mixing in alongside those terracotta soldiers. Historian Sima Qian claims that the emperor did not want his workers to spread word of the immense riches that were being buried in the tomb, so his coterie made a grisly choice. As Qian notes, quote, after the burial and sealing up of the treasures, the middle gate was shut and the outer gate closed to imprison all of the artisans and laborers so that no one came out, Unquote. It was a solution that was apparently meant as a way to deter thieves and grave robbers, but it also added the potential of trapping in the souls of others alongside the emperor. And those souls were likely to be disturbed by the unearthing of the tomb itself. And that May have caused some problems back in 20th century China. More to the story is coming up next, right after this break. Stay with us.
0: This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. So you are the
1: hiring expert for your company, and what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who makes your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as 1-2-3. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your qualified shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy with tools like Indeed Instant Match, which gives you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fits your job description immediately and Indeed skills tests that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests or add your own, then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for the applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. So if you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com art. Remember, that's a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash art. Indeed.com slash art. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Our episode today is sponsored by Ana Luisa, which makes incredibly beautiful, ethically crafted, and affordable jewelry that is meant to last a lifetime. Ana Luisa creates items that are timeless, chic, and crafted with your budget and the planet in mind, with prices beginning at just $39 so there's no luxury markup, and all items produced in limited batches with carbon emissions offset so that there's no excessive waste to the earth. Which means Ana Luisa items are incredible gifts too! These pieces are absolutely perfect for Mother's Day or for a little gift as a way to treat yourself just because. I recently got my hands on a pair of their Hana Marble Blue earrings, which are gorgeous gold and white and blue enamel earrings with a stunning pop of cobalt that just grabs your attention in such a wonderful way. For a mom on the go like me, it's the perfect way to amp up my look and make myself feel chic even when I'm just writing at home. And it is durable enough to be a standard now and for many years to come in my jewelry collection. Now is the best possible time to snag some goodies from Ana Luisa because of their awesome Mother's Day sale happening now with 15% off all products. The last day to guarantee standard shipping before Mother's Day in the U.S. is Wednesday, May 5th. So order now to get rings, necklaces, earrings, and more with that 15% off discount at analuisa.com artcuriousmd. And use my offer code artcuriousmd10 to get 15% off. Click the link in today's show notes to go to analuisa.com slash artcuriousmd. That again is a n a l u i s a.com slash artcuriousmd, as in Mother's Day. Anna Luisa for beautiful, sustainable jewelry. Welcome back to Art Curious. The idea of a cursed tomb has been around for millennia. And again, I'll hint that we'll be returning to it later on in this season. For most of us, they are fascinating stories that, if anything, have an air of mystery or perhaps a slight sensation of coincidence about them. But to the farmers who unearthed the first signs of the vast tomb complex of Emperor Qin Shi Huangdi and the terracotta warriors, it wasn't just a story at all. It was a thing to fear immediately, a concern that they held close to their hearts from that moment onward. It was a knowledge that their traditions had been accidentally violated and that the remainder of their earthly lives could really be cursed. On that fateful day in 1974, the seven men drawn together to dig a well gazed down in the soil at the emerging terracotta figure that they had just uncovered, not knowing right away of its significance. If anything, they hoped it would be something of enough value that its sale could furnish them with a packet of cigarettes to share. One of them, Yang Kuan Yi, recalled the struggle to break off the statue's head with a shovel. When their removal of the terracotta head was finally achieved, the realization that this figure was something special dawned upon them. As he noted later, quote, everyone was then afraid to touch it. We thought it was a temple statue, a Buddha perhaps, and we were frightened that the Buddha would punish us," Another farmer, Yang Jifa, doubted its spiritual or ancestral significance, but realized its important archaeological aspects immediately, convincing the others that more excavation was definitely in order. He continued digging and unearthed further terracotta sculptures, as well as several bronze pieces, and he took a cart full of his finds to a local museum. Museum officials then correctly identified the works as stemming from the Qin dynasty and paid Yang Jifa for his bounty, 30 yuan for the lot, the equivalent today of only a few dollars. Even worse was that because the well diggers had found the terracotta army figures on land owned by a farming collective, Yang Jifa was then required to turn over his measly payment to his supervisor, who then provided a portion of it out to each of the seven men. That portion for each was, quote, the equivalent of half a day's work, or 13 fen, a fen being a hundredth of a yuan, and that was their entire reward, unquote. Now, not only was that reward barely enough for a pack of cigarettes to split amongst them as they had originally hoped, but this reward would also be the only one they would ever receive for their discovery, one of the most significant finds of the 20th century. This financial snub has felt like a curse to these seven men, and one that, they claim, still persists today. Once the Chinese government realized the significance of the terracotta army and the extent of the funeral complex, the commodification of the site grew. The small villages surrounding the site were demolished, not only to allow more room for the ongoing excavation, but also to build a huge museum, gift shop, and restaurant complex a site that today is visited by more than a million tourists each year and brings in roughly 70 million U.S. dollars in annual revenue for the Chinese government ever since it was declared a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 1987. But all of this wealth does little to help the many who work at the site, some of whom make only a couple of dollars per day. As Yuan Qianyi has pointed out, quote, Officials and businessmen have made a lot of money from the terracotta army but not us. Unquote. This financial hardship extends even further to the fact that none of the names of those seven original discoverers are noted anywhere in any credit lines or recognition for the archaeological site. A point that the Shanxi Relic and Cultural Bureau counters with a response, saying, quote, It is not important who discovered these relics. Unquote. What little recognition, if any, that the four still-living discoverers receive stems solely from when they are able to sell and sign books in the bookshop of the archaeological complex, something that is often impossible due to the numerous posers who market themselves as the ones who really found the ancient relics. The streets surrounding the Xi'an Museum are frequently lined with men who claim to be the famed farmers and then make a profit off of their false celebrity by giving out their autographs and taking pictures with tourists for tips. All while the original discoverers, at least the few still living, struggle with no formal recognition, minimal pay, and the scars of having their original villages and ways of life erased. No wonder they feel cursed. As Yuan Kuan Yi's wife, Liu Shi noted to a journalist in 2013, quote, My husband always worries if they did something wrong by discovering the warriors. He is afraid that they might have brought misfortune in some way and does wonder if maybe the soldiers should have been left beneath the ground. Unquote. Some maintain that the misfortunes long experienced by the seven farmers who discovered the Terracotta Army sits squarely on the shoulders of the Chinese government for their insensitivity and, indeed, their outright dismissal of the men who brought this supremely fascinating discovery to the world's attention. But that doesn't mean that everyone feels this way. There are still many who believe that all of this can be traced back to none other than Qin Shi Huangdi himself with the emperor seeking eternal vengeance on the unfortunate souls who dared disturb his final resting place, his army of thousands, and his quest for immortality. Coming up in two weeks, it's a really startling painting made by a guy who typically flourished painting cuddly dogs and majestic elk. But this particular painting isn't just shocking. It potentially drives college students out of their minds, and even to their deaths. This is one of my favorite episodes for this season, so don't miss it. Thank you for listening to the Art Curious Podcast. This episode was written, produced, and narrated by me, Jennifer Dassel, with additional writing and research help by Jordan McDonough. Our theme music is by Alex Davis at AlexDavisMusic.com and our logo is by Dave Rainey at daverainydesign.com. Our audio and production services are provided by Kabunki, the silliest name in superb podcasts and video. Let them help you too at K-A-B-O-O-N-K-I dot com. The Art Curious Podcast is sponsored primarily by AnchorLight. AnchorLight is a creative space founded with the intent of fostering artists, designers, and craftspeople at varying stages of their development. Home to artist studios, residency opportunities, and exhibition space, AnchorLight encourages mentorship and the cross-pollination of skills among creatives in the triangle. Please visit AnchorLightRaleigh.com. The Art Curious Podcast is also fiscally sponsored by VAE Raleigh, a 501c3 nonprofit creativity incubator. For more details about our show, including images of the terracotta warriors mentioned in today's episode, please visit our website, artcuriouspodcast.com. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at artcuriouspod, and we have podcast merchandise. You can support our show that way and get yourself some goodies like t-shirts, tote bags, notebooks, and more by checking out the link to our TeePublic Public Store in the show notes on this episode or on our website. Check back with us in two weeks as we explore the unexpected, slightly odd, and strangely wonderful and potentially cursed works in art history.